A quick hello and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Carly J. Case. What a beautiful singing voice you have. I love that. Thank you so much. And it's it's a really silly little tune that um, I, I created. And it's so simple, I can't forget it. And I've now sung it, I think, it, what is it, five, five or six hundred times? Well, I am so glad to be on the show and be here today talking with you, Jason. I, I can't wait. And I am ready for my brand SERP. Oh, brilliant. You know all about the, the start of the show. Yeah, we'll be talking about marketing with conversion content, the SPARK acronym that you're going to explain. I'm really excited because we need to do this better at CaliCube. So we're going to be picking your brains for CaliCube as much as for the audience. But uh, before that, looking at the first screenshot, um, I realized because you really helped us promote this and you created a page on your website, I realized that that logo, although delightful, doesn't make for an immensely wonderful on-page experience. It doesn't look great. Um, so we now have a task at CaliCube to present our guests and uh, with, with, with graphics that really make sense. And we'll see a, a much more colorful one during the presentation of the sponsors. So you've already taught me something without even turning up today. <laughs> And then we look quick, quickly at your brand, SERP, if we see the next screen. Uh, this is a criticism kind of, but I hope it's not taken the wrong way. It's constructive because I hadn't seen this, is that those little fav icons that you add to your website mm -hmm. are increasingly important. Google's been experimenting with it on and off. And here they've brought that experiment back. And as you can see, having the WordPress uh, fav icon is the default with the WordPress site. Really important to replace that. And also, if you can see there next to it, it's got... Uh, CarlyJCaseSorry.com, which is the name of the, the, the site, and LinkedIn below. So those are a couple of things that we all now need to pay attention to because Google's using fav icons and it's using the title of the site. Join the CaliCube Knowledge Panel and Brand Support Group if you want to learn more about that kind of thing. And the next screenshot is to make you feel better because we've got it wrong as well. Uh, we're, we're actually recreating those fav icons because we realize that all our fav icons on all of our sites are the same. So that's pretty boring as well. And also we need to focus on our featured image because those featured images appear more and more and your featured image was lots better than ours. So we both need to update the website a little bit. Well, um, it's always a learning process, isn't it? And uh, Google constantly changes. And so really yes. to stay up with it, we always have to be uh, almost every week even uh, really auditing what we're doing and just constant improvement. That, that's a really good point. I mean, it's what we do. We track brand SERPs and knowledge panels. And as you say, every week we find something new. Every day I find something I didn't know before. And I've been doing this for 10 years. So that's enough about brand SERPs. We're going to now have the sponsors really quickly. We've got a little video where I ad lib over the back of the video. Please join me and a groovy guest like Carly every week on CaliCube Tuesdays. Sponsored, as always, by WordLift, who are an amazing Italian AI company who do the heavy lifting for your SEO for you. And they grow your traffic with artificial intelligence. And I can't remember what this part is about, but it's definitely about Google. And that must be about CaliCube. Oh, it's Get Your Knowledge Panel. We've got a done-for-you service. If you want a knowledge panel, we can get one for you. Please contact us if you want the knowledge panel and you want us to help us you with that. Sorry. Brilliant. We've got through all the housekeeping, and now we can get to the core topic, which after three minutes and 52 seconds, I think that's good going. Under five minutes, we're into the core topic, Spark. What does Spark stand for? Yeah, absolutely. It is our process that we apply when we are working with any client, and it stands for strategy, planning, assessment, 
roles and responsibilities, and kickstart. And I'll explain each one of those. It's really the process that we go through when we work with a client on figuring out how we're going to improve all of their touch points along that buyer's journey. Uh, we start with the strategies and really the goal is, let's say, to sell more of your product or service. We work exclusively with B2B companies. Um, and so really the strategy is whatever your ultimate goal is. Some companies do have brand awareness as, as the ultimate goal, but for most, it's going to be selling more, getting more leads, uh, converting more it, more into customers, or even upgrading customer accounts. Right. And so the, the strategy, I mean, from my perspective, I want brand awareness to get people to the bottom of the funnel as quickly as possible and then convert them into clients. But uh, brand awareness is potentially the entire strategy, and we're just looking to be noticed and seen yeah, absolutely. So that's that's always step one for us, figuring out what is the overall goal so that we can achieve right. the business goals. And then uh, we create the plan. How are we going to get there? What are typically going to be the steps? And then we do an actual assessment and audit of where the client is. And so this is actually a little bit different from other agencies that might start with a full-on audit. Uh, many of them say, uh, talk to us and get a free audit of your systems or your operations or whatever it is. They start with an audit. The problem is when you start there, instead of the overall strategy, you can bring in a lot of extraneous noise and get your team really focused on the wrong things. So we want to really focus down on what is the strategy, what is the plan and where are you at? What gaps do we have to close to hit right. those KPIs in the plan? All so right. That's and so that, that, that. That, that's actually a triplet because you, you've got five things. But the first one is that, um, what would you call it, the foundational work is strategy, process and audit. Yes, absolutely. And and the thing is, in in I, I've spent over 20 years in marketing and the last uh, seven in sales enablement as well. And what I've seen a lot in companies, uh, at least in the B2B SaaS space, which we have a lot of expertise in, is they complain that sales and marketing are misaligned. And it's really coming from the idea that marketing and sales are two different things, never the twain shall meet. And the customer experience going from the marketing, um, like the landing pages, the website, their experience on the front end, once they start talking to a salesperson, starts to be very different and full of friction. The message is not aligned between the two organizational units in a company. And so what happens is that customer journey becomes very split up, full of friction, painful. Uh, I think you have probably experienced trying to buy anything, especially when it's uh, services or software online, that experience is often very misaligned. And what we strive to do is make sure that that experience is very smooth from start to finish, all the way to becoming a customer, upgrading, adding features, and adding more seats to your account. That's really key, making sure that experience is very, very consistent throughout. And the only way to do that is to really focus in on that part and not bring in other parts and pieces of the business that affect it, but really make sure that your assessment is confined to the overall strategy that you're laying out. Right. So one, one important thing is to take the entire website in its totality, all, the, all of the marketing we're doing, or sorry, just the website or all of the marketing around the web. All of the website, uh, I'm sorry, all of the marketing we're doing, including the website, all of the assets that, that, that a customer may touch in their in mm. that journey, everything that they see from social media to ads to their brand SERPs to um, to everything, the one pages and one pages, case studies, customer testimonials, YouTube videos, every piece of content that is out there 
that someone may interact with is a moment for them to understand your brand, your offer better. And it's often very different from piece to piece, depending on what department in your company is producing it, mm. at what time it was produced, and what segment of the market you're speaking to. Right. I, there are a couple of things that strike me there. One is the department that created it, and you've got these different departments who don't talk to each other. Another is what time it was created, i.e. stuff that's old from a year ago may not align to today. Is that more or less correct? Yeah, we see that a lot, uh, especially in the last several years. Many, many companies in the B2B space have started to evolve to offer a more uh, B2C function, a self-serve function for people to go to their mm. website and actually see a product demo on the website or right. sign up for a free trial. That was very much seen in B2C software and tech before, but B2B often used the sales team to sell you a product. And now B2B is incorporating a product-led growth, a PLG motion, where someone can self-serve their knowledge and their needs from the website. And so websites mm. have to be very robust nowadays. And they're finding that the information that has been put out there so far in the market has been very much a, once you click this button, you will get a meeting with our sales team and you will talk to our team who will devise the right solution for you. That's no longer valid in these new ways that they're going to market. And so all of their content has to be updated to reflect that it's now much more of a self-serve option, right. much more of a self-guided journey that people can go on. Well, here's an interesting story. Well, I think it's interesting is we've actually done exactly the opposite pivot is that we've had to go through all of our content and we still haven't finished and change it from self-service, have a go, to contact our sales team. Uh, and the reason for that is that the I thought the CaliQ Pro SaaS platform was relatively simple and people got really lost. And so the self-service idea didn't work. So I've actually had to roll all of that back and now say, you're going to have to contact us because we have to walk you through it. Yeah, yeah. And so that that is completely legitimate. There are companies that have to go the other way. They find that yeah. um, self-service might um, change the value perception for their customers or Very perhaps the yeah, perhaps the technology behind it is just too complex and creating too many points of friction in their business. So in order to make it simpler, it's just talk to sales. Yeah, and we had both those problems. One is the the the, the technology was too complex, and the other is that the people didn't understand the value. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it, it was it was being underestimated, if I can put it that way. And people would say, well, it doesn't do very much. And the answer is it does a phenomenal amount. It's just you haven't you haven't understood. Um, and we the, the point I was kind of I was making was that we actually had to go we had to go through and change all of that content. And it's a huge task it even is. with our small sites. It is, it is such a huge task. Businesses are very burdened by this. We're heading into an economic downturn right now and businesses oh, no. are looking for ways that we can cut costs. How, you know, how can we, how can we survive during this period? And honestly, the modern buyer really wants to do it themselves. They want the, right. uh, a lot of them want to just be able to see the product uh, demo when they want to see it. They don't want to have to talk to sales. They don't want to have to go through a complicated qualification process. They just want to try out your product and see what it's like. A lot of people are like that. And so a lot of companies are having to shift to that motion. Um, but everything out there that they've put out there up until now doesn't reflect that. And so it is an enormous process to overhaul it. And you have to have the same person, team, department looking at it all in totality so that the message is very consistent start to finish, especially when it comes to that customer onboarding uh, collateral. As you mentioned, 
user adoption is is very key when it comes to software um, and of course uh, managed services. Well, I mean, because but the audit is a huge job. Do you do it manually, going through it page by page, or do you crawl it with a with a crawler, a web crawler, or, or something, a platform like SEMrush or C Ranking? Yeah, it's a combination of uh, tools and manual process. Uh, we have a number of content specialists who go through it. And then we have a, um, a marketing specialist who ensures that the language is consistent piece to piece to piece. It can be very large and it can be touching a number of systems and technology. And so we are technology agnostic and we um, do as much as we can um, utilizing tools and automation to do it but then also having that uh, manual human touch to make sure that we haven't missed anything. Right, okay. But if I wanted to do it, what kind of tools would I be looking at? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so if we're talking about an entire content refresh, it's going to be um, certainly defining the keywords that are key to your your new approach. Um, mm -hmm. And then, of course, using a tool such as SEMrush to um, identify pages and instances of keywords that need to be replaced. It takes mm -hmm. often a, a manual human review of those pages to make it make sense. Uh, we utilize uh, AI copywriting in some cases to generate uh, paragraphs mm -hmm. and then, of course, another manual review because it's not always good for Google and, and Google, good for humans to be reading stuff generated by AI it can get you part of the way there. But we always say the yeah. last part is, is yeah, human. A, a, yeah. a friend of ours, uh, Andrea Volpini from WordLift says, keep the humans in the loop at yes, all times. Yes, yes. Uh, someday, uh, perhaps the machines will take all of our jobs, but, uh, but certainly not yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a nice piece of promotion for SEMrush there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and so we we really uh, enjoy creating that consistency across the board. It is a very big lift, um, and it is something that we have to do in two-week sprints to really focus on, okay, we're going to do all the landing pages right. now in a two-week sprint. We're okay. going to do... So yeah, no, so you are, you're actually just answering the question I was about to ask. If, if you break it into chunks of of pages as opposed to categories. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that we're utilizing the same tech at the same time, the same right. team members at the same time, the same specialists, the same process, and then we move on to the next piece of maybe it's case studies, maybe it's videos on YouTube, um, you know, whatever it is that we're looking at in order to create consistency, broken down into two-week spreads over uh, however long the entire project will take. Right. And then you talk about roles and responsibilities. Yes, absolutely. That's the R in Spark, and that's defining the rules on your team that are going to be part of the process when we work with clients, um, because we can't work in a vacuum. Yeah. I like <laughs> Yeah, no, Anton, for people who've just listening to the audio, Anton keeps putting up uh, screenshots of different things, which is why Carly just laughed. <laughs> yeah, there was uh, lots of sparks flying out of something, so... Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, so yes, roles and responsibilities, as well as roles and responsibilities on our team, who's going to be doing what, when, uh, that's kind of obvious. Um, but then we we really want to make sure that everything has a person in charge of it. And this is also, mm. I find a lot of businesses fall down in their efforts when it comes to um, the, the touch points that a buyer goes through, because it's, well, who's in charge? Is marketing mm. in charge? Is your brand designer in charge? Is it sales enablement? Who is who is the person who's going to be in charge of this? And so having uh, one person whose responsibility is this uh, makes it very 
very clear, as well as setting KPIs. And these are the these are the pieces of content we're going to be looking at over the week um, or creating over the week. Uh, and so that we have certain numbers that we're working towards certain metrics that we're hitting. Finally, kickstart is just really to kickstart the project. Uh, we kick it off. Uh, we have those KPIs and we work towards it. So really the key mm -hmm. in, in our Spark process is um, doing the, the strategy and planning uh, first and then finding where the company is and auditing where they're at for all of their content uh, efforts so far. Right. And so we, we've got the process that this is now saying, okay, I, I know how to adapt my content or improve my content to make sure that it's giving out the right message. You talk about content for conversion and the idea that um, the seven steps to whatever glory it might be in your business is top of funnel and people don't search for that. Uh, you tend to focus on the content that's further down the funnel. How do you identify what content you're going to focus on? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a great question. So um, as we all know, uh, content in general um, is often thought of as, um, as kind of a three-stage um, piece in the buyer's journey where you have uh, awareness, consideration, and decision, right? That's the very typical HubSpot three-step uh, large buckets that, that people fall into as they're going through that buyer's journey to buy a product. So for the awareness, that top of funnel, that's where a lot of SEO agencies focus. They create a mm. lot of content, a lot of articles out there to just generate awareness and create backlinks. That generates a lot of traffic and that is necessary for Google SERPs. However, the issue with the top of funnel content is that it tends to be definitional or informational. Very, mm. very high level, sort of um, very generic. Uh, so for instance, let's say a VP of marketing they have HubSpot already. They want a better marketing automation platform because HubSpot has a very heavy cost of ownership. Um, and it maybe it isn't purpose built for outbound sales. It's very much an inbound tool. So the VP of marketing has these pain points. The, when they Google uh, HubSpot alternatives or something like that, they don't want to read an article that says, why do you need a marketing automation system and um, what does it do for your company? That is a top of funnel piece that is informational, definitional, mm -hmm. and will drive traffic, but it will not solve your VP of marketing's problems, nor will it get them to sign up for a demo for your product. Which makes me think of something which I find infuriating is when people mix the top and the middle or the top and the bottom of the funnel in one piece. So I have to read this definition of what a CRM is or whatever. And you know, I know what it is, and you've got to scroll all the way down the page. Is that a huge mistake? Or should you really just separate it and make sure that each piece is aiming at a particular part of the funnel? Yeah, yeah. So um, that's a great question. And I think a lot of that comes from the legacy way that Google was designed, really, in yeah. order to get your get on the SERPs, you have to have that informational definitional piece, especially so you can get the information into the Google featured snippet. If mm. you recall what, uh, you know, that that was very important um, for for a while, uh, yeah. you have to have the basic definition of something in a paragraph so that Google can pull it and pull it into your feature snippet when everyone, whenever anyone searches those keyword terms. So I would say that it, it is important to have there simply because of the, the way that search engines do work. However, um, it is a very annoying um, piece for the reader to have to scroll through. You think about the last time you tried to look up a recipe and went to a baking blog and how much you had to get through to just get to mm. the recipe. Um, so a lot of these blogs employ jump to recipe. 
And I'm very much of a fan, even for B2B, to use that feature, like use a table of contents in your blog Mm. piece and jump to the part that the VP of marketing really cares about. Yeah, no, sorry, but but that really does make me think. We we just did a, a case study for Microsoft Clarity mm-hmm. because we installed Microsoft Clarity after um, we um, we installed it, and then we looked at what was wrong. Why weren't people reading the articles? And what we realized is that, that there were lots of dead clicks, but people were selecting uh, quotes or things that they wanted to read. So we started extracting quotes. That was the first win, and the second was that when we put the table of contents in, people would skim read the table of contents and scroll straight to where they wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And it was hugely effective for a live time on page. I can't remember what it's called, but the fact that people are interacting with the page and actually reading it. Uh, table of contents is huge. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a trick kind of, but it's, mm. it's basically giving people what they want. That VP of marketing wants to know how to reduce operational load for HubSpot and how to get a CRM that's going to be a useful outbound sales tool. They need to skip to that part and skip over the part that Google needs, the definitional part, but they mm. need to see that bottom of funnel content that really gives them like a product comparison table, really, um, you know, maybe an ROI calculator, something like that is going to be much more valuable to a person who has a pain point who is doing these long tail keyword searches and is looking for a solution for their problem. So that's what we define as conversion content. It's content that takes someone and gets them to take an action that shows that they're interested in finding out more. So subscribe to a newsletter, click a talk to sales link, click get a demo, watch your product demo on your website. Um, Whatever it is, we want to create content that is always the goal that gets someone to take the next step in that buyer's journey and find out more. Which is the crucial point. Sorry. And and, and there are a couple of questions there. I need to decide what the next step is for that piece of content rather than putting multiple opportunities or multiple options. Multiple options, bad idea, good idea. I actually am a fan of multiple options because you never know at what stage someone is when they come into your content. They may be very, very early stage. They may be very cold. And so I am very much a fan of creating intelligent navigation or opportunities for them to kind of start with your brand, start here, like that kind of concept that you build into your Um, blog posts, your YouTube channel, you know, whatever it is that you're doing so that people completely new can start at the beginning. But those that are further down the funnel, I also want to be able to create journeys for them too. And the only way that I understand what they need at what time uh, is actually, it's a multi-prong effort. It's understanding the keyword searches that are coming into your website and behavior on your website by looking at paths through the, through your website. So Google Analytics, uh, mixed Microsoft panel, Clarity. Dream Data. What was that? Microsoft Clarity, which is like hot jar but free. Yeah, oh, that's even better. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love it, retag. It, my it's favorite. It's huge. Thing. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. And yeah. in fact, Microsoft created it because they missed the analytics boat. They're now doing the uh, on page um, analysis hot jar comp- competition to get that data. So they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're trying not to go up against Google directly on analytics, but they're doing the clarity to, to get their space. So yeah. anyway, that, that's a side topic. But um, so the multiple choices. And I was thinking, I was, I was actually on a website the other day. I saw their brand name on social media. I knew vaguely what they did. Searched the brand name, clicked on the link. And when I got to the site, they assumed I knew exactly what it was they were offering. And I couldn't figure it out. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that, that is very common because you have people who are way at the beginning. They just see something random that you put out yeah. there. They have no idea who you are, none at all. And then you, they get to your website and it's filled with jargon. It's filled with just this, this sense of treating them as if they are middle to bottom of funnel. And you've now lo lost these people who are not necessarily in market, but they, they're that, you know, that cold traffic that is coming in and starting to warm up to you. And so that's why I'm very much a fan of creating these multiple journeys throughout your website for people at different stages so that they can become part of your world. And, and then it's up to me to decide each individual piece of content, which majoritarily, which uh, section of my audience is it aiming at top, middle or bottom of funnel. And then give them the options that makes most sense to them, but still provide them with the options of going all the way back to the start. Yes, yes, absolutely. And this is also done, um, by the way, not in a bubble where you're just deciding everything for people. This is done in tandem with your customers. You need to be getting that customer feedback loop to really understand for them what are their pain points? What's most important to them? Uh, did this case study help answer your questions? Um, was this use case applicable to you? It's really having customer conversations to make sure that you are accurately capturing what they need at each stage and serving up what they need before they get to the next stage. And that's really key. And that's something that a lot of uh, companies don't do is have that frequent feedback loop with their customers to always improve their content and the journey mm -hmm. that people go through. Yeah. And, and does that mean having a form at the bottom of every single article saying, did this help you? What you? I mean, I see that a lot. Do you like it? Did it help you? Was it helpful? Whatever. You Bad can. idea, good idea? Um, that's a very hands-off approach. And so I, I wouldn't recommend that um, as a blanket recommendation. Really having actual conversations one-on-one -on -one mm. with people, I think is key. Um, and so it's not just a faceless survey. It's actually, you know, putting that human element into it to really understand uh, their pain point and their experience up until now with your company. What would have helped them better? What would have helped them make a decision faster? Understanding that from them and trying not to ask those leading questions like, hey, yeah. check out this, this landing page. Did it help you? That can definitely skew skew your results. So getting good market feedback is key. And uh, there is a book I absolutely love. I recommend it to everyone. And it's called The Mom Test. And if you haven't heard of it, you need to get it. You need to read it. It is how to get great customer feedback without biasing them in any way that you can apply to your marketing and sales efforts and really start reflecting their pain points back at them uh, and custom creating your product for um, a true solution. Right. Oh, I like that. That that's really really interesting because those leading questions you get them all the time, and and it it, it doesn't actually make sense for us as a company because the the answers are going to be led by what the way we ask the question. Um, is is talking to people and just saying or sitting down actually physically and talking to somebody like this and saying what did you think of the article? What did you think of the site? How do you feel about it? Is that because that's such a tiny tiny data set? But you yeah. might, you might, you might, I mean, I was going to say, you, you might be completely off whack with everybody else, which would make my decisions very bad. Yeah, I, I tend to uh, advise really asking the broader questions as in, um, I'm sorry, <laughs> um, the asking the broader questions. Oh, dog, sorry. It's a dog. Yes. Um... <laughs> so it's, you, you've got a dog and a cat. 
Yes, and this one is, um, <laughs> I, I might have to get her. Um, well, if, if you do, what, what you, finish, finish what you were saying. Yeah. Um, so it's really asking the broader questions that is the that is the most important. As in, what is your what are your pain points? What do you need to solve them? What do you need to know uh, to help you make a great decision? Asking those broad questions and getting that is going to be Ooh. really key. And then, then after you have that baseline, starting to show some of your content to that customer and saying, "Did this answer that pain point that we just talked about?" What else can I do here to make it more specific to you and your use case? Things like that. Brilliant. That's absolutely delightful. Thank you. I mean, it's a really nice way to end it because we've got all the way to the bottom of the funnel and we've got the person, what they need for the situation they're in and we move them on to the next step. That was brilliant, Carly. Thank you so much. It's going to be helpful to us and helpful, I'm sure, to the audience. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Uh, now we're going to announce next week, which is Ash Nalawala. Uh, why enterprises need a CWO, a chief web officer. He's absolutely delightful. And he provides a great argument for why companies would need a chief web officer and potentially how you can convince the CEO or the, the um, shareholders to appoint a chief web officer to look after the web aspect of a business. Uh, could you pass the baton, please, Carly? Yes, absolutely. So this is me passing the baton, the virtual baton yeah. to Ash Nalawala. He is an author, an SEO expert, and I cannot wait to hear him talk about why enterprises need that CWO. Uh, it is absolutely key and you will not want to miss it. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone for watching. I'll say goodbye to your dog, your cat, and to you. A quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Carly, the dog and the cat. Thank you so much, Jason. We had a lovely time. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Cali Cube. It's all about your brand, SERP.